Welcome to the award-winning Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett, a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with casual author conversations and book recommendation episodes, as well as insider information on all of the newest releases that I personally endorse and on the publishing industry in my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations or to find my backlist of interviews, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. Have you read a book recently that really resonated with you and makes you want to read a book more like it? If so, submit a read-alike request to me through my Google form located in today's show notes and tell me why you loved it, and I will suggest some similar reads on a future Tuesday episode. If you're interested in reading some great books before they publish, I hope you will consider joining my Patreon group to access additional content including early reads and pre-pub author chats and bonus episodes. I just added Banyan Moon by Tao Tai for May and The Bones of the Story by Carol Goodman for June. The link to join is in the show notes. For today's behind-the-scenes episode, I am chatting with author Jane Green about her venture, Emerald Audio. Jane is the author of 21 novels, including 18 New York Times bestsellers. She recently launched Emerald Audio, which introduces a new chapter in digital audio by telling exclusive scripted stories that combine two of the most intimate mediums, the written word and the power of audio. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And now for a quick break. For the last year, I have been focusing more on my health and my eating habits. In connection with that, I have started drinking AG1 in the morning. I first gave AG1 a try because I needed more energy. Since drinking AG1 daily, I have definitely felt more energized. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water, once a day, every day. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it is safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and I am really happy to have them sponsoring my show. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page. That's drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page. Check it out. Welcome, Jane. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Cindy. How are you? I am wonderful as well. And I'm so glad you're here for this special behind the scenes episode to talk about Emerald Audio Network. Yeah, me too. Thank you. So before we dive into all of my questions, why don't you just tell me a little bit about the network? And then we can talk about how you got started and all of that. But just tell me what it is and what's happening these days. So uh, Emerald Audio is a podcast network that is female-led by me, but it started off as a network that would create original scripted fiction to be put out on the podcast platform. But as the months have gone by, we've realized that we also have another mission that has become paramount, which is elevating women's voices and women's stories. Well, I was checking out your website, and I loved the female-driven aspect of it. I know that the first two serial podcasts have been written by you and by Jenna Blum, who I've interviewed for the podcast about The Key of Love. So you are working on a third one as well. So are you going to just focus on serial podcasts, or are you going to expand over time to other things? 
Well, right now we're very focused on fiction because there is so little uh, on the podcast platform. And what there is tends to be very focused to men or to genre, genre fiction. So there's quite a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, that kind of thing. But there's very, very little for women. So we're, we're slowly figuring out what works. One of the things that we have enormous belief in are rom-coms. So we are looking, we're developing a, a, a number of rom-coms. But at the same time, we're also starting to gather existing podcasts that are, that are presented by women, but bringing them in under the Emerald umbrella to handle their sales, marketing and distribution. So even though we're not producing them, or, you know, our focus is, is producing the, the uh, scripted fiction, but we're bringing in conversational podcasts, chat podcasts, anything that, that has a, a similar audience to our audience. We're starting to look at those because my partners are the founders of Cadence 13, which was a, a, a very successful large podcast network that they sold two years ago. And their area of expertise is really sales, marketing and distribution. So we're taking advantage of that and bringing in existing podcasts and looking to grow them. So we're, we're building something successful where we can also do cross-pollination and market in other podcasts. I think that's so helpful. I am part of a podcast network and they handle a lot of what you're talking about. And it's wonderful. The advertising, the promotion, a variety of those type of things. And I feel like it's eliminated some of that for me, which has made it really nice. Plus, when you all band together, you can have more advertising, more shows participating in one advertising campaign. It just makes sense, the economies of scale. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the best way to market a podcast is to feature it in other podcasts. So the more that we have under our umbrella, the better it is for everyone. For sure. Cross-promoting is wonderful. So I find the Serial Podcast fascinating because it's almost like that's where we started radio shows a hundred and something years ago. And now we're back to that. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. I, I feel much the same way. You know, I grew up in London and I grew up listening to the BBC radio plays. And even as a teenager, I remember the number of times I couldn't get out the car because I was so invested in listening to the radio play. And it's very different to listening to an audiobook because it's not one narrator. And if you don't like their voice, then it's a problem. It's not all the exposition that happens in a, in a novel. This is a, it's scripted fiction. So it's a full cast of characters, all the sound effects. So it really, it, it's what they call an immersive experience. And as you just pointed out, this is how soap operas began. Soap operas were originally radio plays for the busy 1950s housewife. And she didn't have time to stop and watch a, a television show or, you know, she had no time to read a book because she was so busy cooking and cleaning and raising the kids that they created these serialized radio plays. They were sponsored by soap companies, hence the name soap opera. So we've, we've come full circle because of course, we're so busy today. The modern woman is busier than ever before with jobs and children and numerous side hustles now. And, and I think people's attention spans are shorter and shorter. But this is a new way of, of, of story. You know, we can still be transported into another world without having to stop everything we're doing and take the time to, to watch a TV show or read a book. 
Well, first, I had no idea that's where the term soap opera came from. So I love that I learned that. And second, I think back even before that, you know, the 1920s when there was just radio and they would act out all the sounds and everything. So I just think it's really cool to think the first productions and now we're back to that, but in a much higher quality manner. And the great thing is you don't have to wait to get out of the car because you can pause it and then keep listening to it at another time, which you couldn't do back then. Right. And we we also, one of the things we've learned is that actually the sweet spot for the episode time that then how long an episode should be is 20 minutes. We we initially started thinking, is it going to be 30 minutes? Is it going to be an, an hour? And we've actually found that 20 minutes is is just the right amount of time for women to, you know, jump in the car and run an errand or do whatever it is they're doing and listen to the, the latest episode. I think that's right. I always try to target 20 to 35 minutes. Because I think if you get much longer than that, people are busy and they just start tuning out. Yeah, exactly. How often do you plan to release them? Well, we have four shows planned for this year, but we're putting together this, you know, we're, we're trying to take it quite slowly, which is nothing that, that is natural to me. I tend to, to run at everything, um, all guns blazing, but we're trying to take it slowly and really learn with each one. So we have four planned for this year. And then next year, I think we'll, we should at least double that. And we're just building up a library of great shows. The wonderful thing is, unlike so many film and TV companies, anything that we buy, we're actually going to make. You know, the, 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 the likelihood is that things, what often happens in film and TV with books and with stories is that somebody will buy an option to make it. And then if they don't, make that option within a year or, or two years, it things just get put on a shelf and start gathering dust. And and we are pretty committed to making almost everything that we buy. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about, how you're finding what you're going to do. I know you started with your own, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, Rainbow Girl. And then Jenna had the second show. And I've seen on your Instagram account that you're recording a third one. But where are you sourcing your material? Well, the third one actually is called Bad Influencer. And that is an idea that I came up with and I drafted an outline. But because I am so busy doing many things, I pulled in a very, very talented young scriptwriter called uh, Gabby Conti. And she has actually written this. So that is our next show. But then we have another story later this year from Jean Hanf Korolitz, who wrote the plot which was a huge hit last year. And she also wrote the book that became a show called The Undoing, which was a big hit on Netflix during COVID. I don't know whether you recall Nicole Kidman floating around Central Park in a in a velvet fabulous coat and Hugh Grant being dastardly. But she has written a wonderful psychological thriller for us called Convex Mirror. And actually, she hasn't written the script because whilst I would argue most novelists can write a script. There's a very big difference between writing a script and a wonderful script. It's a different skill set. And it's one that a novelist really has to learn. It, it's something quite different. So again, we've attached a really talented script writer to Jean's idea, Convex Mirror, called Tommy Lombardi. And he is currently drafting those episodes. Well, I do think that is such an interesting thing with the advent of these 
Audible originals and audio originals that authors are putting out. And I've interviewed a couple of them. And that's always my first question. Is this so different to write this audiobook original than writing your novel? And so that's a great idea instead of trying to retrain an author who's used to writing books to write this entire script, to just get the ideas, get it all down, and then have someone else fill in the parts. Yeah. And that's exactly it, particularly for something like a psychological thriller. You know, we know Jean has written so many wonderful books from Admission to The Devil and Webster. So we, you know, she's one of my favorite writers. So I knew that I wanted her. And it's also easy for her. You know, she, she, what, what happens is when we go to our authors, they give us a five page outline. Uh, split into sort of eight episodes, and then then we bring in the scriptwriter. So really, their work is done now. Jenna Bloom, she created the Key of Love, and and in fact, Tommy Lombardi wrote the Key of Love. She wanted to be involved, so she was she was pretty involved in that, and she took the script when it was finished and made it her own. But actually, that was just because it was something she wanted to do. But it's not something that's required of of any of the authors that we work with. But we're we're also starting to do. We're, we really want to discover new young talent that that hasn't had an opportunity yet. So, one of the things that we're about to launch is a nationwide competition throughout schools that teach screenwriting. So we are looking for projects from graduating students. So that's really exciting. I, I can't wait to find these young voices. And, and hopefully help them find the platform. I love that because you do want to find these up and comers that are really excited, enthusiastic, and you could help launch their career as well. Yeah. And it, it's such a joy. I mean, the, the script writers that we've been working with have, you know, they're, they're so excited to have these, to have their work produced and the authors are excited. And the, the whole thing is kind of a win-win for everybody. And for me, having worked in, you know, as a novelist for 27 years, as publishing changes and becomes so hard, and, and I really do find it a, a brutal business these days, to switch from that into the podcast industry, which is a growing industry, is the most exciting thing imaginable. And so much fun. Yeah. Well, fun, and it's just like a shot of adrenaline and energy because you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I have teams around me who, who are there to support the, the work that I'm bringing, the content that I'm bringing. And also it's pretty quick. And, and just to see that the work go from the page to the podcast is, is, is really just exhilarating. Are you getting lots of submissions or are you just telling people you're not taking them at all? I'm getting a ton of submissions. I have <laughs> over a hundred scripts that I have to get to. But actually, the more scripts you read, it's like anything. The more, the, the more you read, the more familiar you become with the medium. So I, I now am pretty well versed in, in what works and what doesn't and what I like and what I don't. And so actually, it, it, it's only a handful of pages before you know whether or not it's going to work. Well, that has to be kind of fun, too. And it's probably helpful with your learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I knew so little about scripts, but the more I read them, the more accustomed I am to them. And uh, not sure that I have a desire to write a script myself, but I think if I, if I had to, I could. Well, let's talk about Rainbow Girl a little bit. 
Rainbow Girl was it, Rainbow Girl was the first show that we produced, and that came about after I'd written my last novel, which is called Sister Stardust, and and it's actually my first biographical slash historical fiction, and it's set in the late sixties in London and Marrakesh. And it follows a young girl who gets swept up in the life of a very glamorous kind of rock band who take her off to Marrakesh to stay with Paul and Talita Getty. And Paul Getty Jr. was the son of the oil baron, John Paul Getty. And he married this very beautiful Dutch woman who was an aspiring actress, Talita. And they had this impossibly hedonistic, glamorous, extraordinary life between palaces in Rome and Marrakesh and a, and a wonderful house in, in Chelsea. And all the magazines were writing about them all the time. But of course, behind closed doors, they were both diving into first opium and then heroin addiction. And it all came to a tragic end in 1971. But the story of the rock band that I created for Sister Stardust was very closely drawn from the real life story of the early Rolling Stones. And that was Keith Richards and Brian Jones, who was the founder of the Rolling Stones, and the woman who was torn between them, who was a, a, an Italian-German model called Anita Pallenberg. And so when I finished Sister Stardust and started thinking about Emerald, I thought, you know, I love this time period and I'm not done with this story. And so I decided to follow the rock band story. And actually, again, I, I based it on a real story, which is that Keith Richards, who by the 70s was, was madly in love with Anita Pallenberg. They were very much a couple. They had children together. They moved into a farmhouse in South Salem, New York. And Keith had got clean from heroin. And so the record company were keeping him on tour, so keeping him away from Anita, who who couldn't get clean. They'd had a terrible tragedy where they'd lost a baby to Sid, sudden infant death syndrome at five weeks. And she she just plunged into despair and with alcohol and heroin. And so Keith was mostly away. And they took on a young 17-year-old boy to work as a handyman while Keith was away. And he clearly had he either had a mad crush on Anita or he he was having an affair. Nobody's quite sure. But in 1970, this was the year that it happened. It was 1979. And he and Anita were in the master bedroom one day and their son Marlon was in the house. And all of a sudden there was a gunshot and from the bedroom and Anita emerged holding a gun and covered in blood, screaming. And it turned out that 1979 was the year a film called The Deer Hunter came out. And The Deer Hunter had a very famous scene where these American kids go off to fight in the Vietnam War and they're captured and they're forced to play Russian roulette. And Russian roulette was a a huge topic of conversation in 1979. And this kid, this is the real life story, this kid had been uh, uh, allegedly playing Russian roulette and and killed himself in the master bedroom. And I just started to think about this story. And I didn't obviously write this story. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what happened. But I used that as the inspiration for Rainbow Girl and really studying 
a rock star marriage that looks incredibly glamorous and exciting from the outside, but inside is is falling apart, ending in this tremendous tragedy. That is a tremendous tragedy. I am not familiar with that. It's. I know most people don't know this story, but if you Google it, you will find it. I will have to do that. Well, did you enjoy creating Rainbow Girl? Yeah, I I loved it. Sister Stardust was the big one for me because I I feel like I I should really have come of age in 1968. That was the year I was born, but really I should have turned 18 in 1968. I'm slightly obsessed with that time period from 1968 to about 1976. So even though this was slightly later, there are there are scenes in Studio 54 with Ian Schrager and Steve Rubell and Halston and all of that kind of just fabulousness. There, there's something about the 60s and 70s. It was a time of such exploration and freedom and darkness. You know, it it gave way to the 80s and to AIDS and and to some terrible times. But I I was I'm just I continue to be fascinated by how people came out of the very repressed 50s and suddenly because of the pill there was the sexual revolution and then suddenly there was there was contemporary music in a way there hadn't been before you know first with elvis in america but then in the uk we had the rolling stones and the beatles who were kings of the world and then of course you had dr timothy leary who was a harvard professor doing all kinds of experiments with psychedelic drugs and all of it came together in the 60s to to sort of create this explosion of color and creativity and exploration in the world that's my favorite era of music by far. I just love so many of the groups and individuals that produced music then. And I often wish I could go back in time just to see some of them perform. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, with both projects, with Sister Stardust and Rainbow Girl, they both have Spotify playlists. So yeah, so I, I, that was all I listened to while I was writing both of them, the music of that era. It's just wonderful. It's one of those things that I just go back to over and over again. I've always loved it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So you mentioned eight episodes. Will each story stick to eight no matter what? No, I I think actually um, Rainbow Girl, I think may have had six. Uh, The Key of Love, which was Jenna Bloom's, which is this gorgeous historical romance set in 1943 in Boston's Back Bay. And and again, that's a historical romance. And it's it's quite Bridges of Madison County-esque. It's a a woman who gets torn between two men and has to make a very difficult choice. But that ended up being, I believe, eight or nine episodes. So we're, we're, again, as we discover what works and what people want, we're tweaking and changing. So our next project is called Bad Influencer. And that's this lovely, it's like a modern big, remember the movie with Tom Hanks? It's it's like big meets 13 going on 30. And that's the story of a girl who is desperate to be an influencer. And then a little bit of magical realism suddenly makes her wishes come true, but nothing is quite what it seems. And she very quickly regrets it. So that is enormous fun. And I think that is also nine episodes. So we're, we're you know, changing and, and learning and, and growing and, and discovering what works. And figuring out what works for each particular story. Right, exactly. Well, what have you learned from this experience? I think actually more than anything else, it's the the continuing need for story. You know, as 
our attention spans get smaller. And God knows I've been a reader my whole life. I've spent my whole life buried in books. And I find it harder and harder to get through a book these days. I, I'll read three pages and then check my email, you know, another two pages and then check my text. And, and if I'm lucky, I come straight back to the book, but it, you know, it, it's, it, more often than not, I go down some rabbit hole and all of a sudden an hour's gone by. But I think we, we have to have story in our lives. It's how we learn. It's how we learn compassion. It's how we connect with not only our own humanity, but with humanity at large. And I think as the publishing industry changes, as our attention spans grow shorter, we have to find other ways to listen to story or to, to have story in our lives. And, and that's why I'm so excited about the podcast platform because audiobooks are wonderful, but you have to like the narrator's voice and it's quite hard to listen to one person and you have to pay for it. The podcast platform is free. We make our money through the advertising and sponsorship, but you have nothing to lose. You don't have to put down your $10.99 or $12.99. You can just tune in to an Emerald Audio fiction series, whether it's Rainbow Girl, The Key of Love, Bad Influencer, and if you like it, you'll keep listening. And, and it's bringing story, story and entertainment. Do you feel like people are digesting the stories all at once, waiting till it's all out and then listening to them all? Or do you find most people are going week to week and then waiting till the next episode comes out? So that was one of the things that we learned with The Key of Love and with Rainbow Girl. We released them every week and we discovered that no, actually the audience wants to binge. And so with Bad Influencer, we are releasing all of the episodes at once. So you will be able to binge the whole thing if you choose. I was wondering about that because I see that a lot with TV. It's going back and forth and listening to my kids talk about it. They're all teenagers, so they're all of the binge era, and they hate it when it's coming out every week and they have to wait for the next one. They want it all to drop like Netflix does or you know, some of the others. And so it's interesting to see. And I kind of wondered with yours if you would find the same thing, that people really wanted to be able to just listen on their own time, whether it's one episode or six episodes, whatever they can fit in. I, I think they really do. I think we're also going through this period of instant gratification. And I know that if there's a podcast that comes out that I want to listen to, if I have to wait every week for the new show, the truth is that my life is so busy and so filled with other things. I think I worry that I won't remember it. The next, I either won't remember to come back to it or I won't remember what's happened the week before. So I'm more inclined to wait. If it's something that is released every week, I will wait until everything is out. And then I will listen to the whole thing. I find that that's what my kids do when there is something that's coming out over time that they prefer to wait till it's all out and then just watch it. Right. So I would assume the audio would be the same way. And yes, I would even find that with Jenna's because I was listening week to week. I'd have to kind of remind myself. And you did a little recap, which was great. But still, I had to be like, okay, what exactly happened last week or two weeks ago? You know, and as it gets farther and farther away, it's harder to remember. What's interesting is I'm starting to think about sort of episodic shows. So more like The Love Boat or Hotel. Do you remember those shows from from the past where you have the same car? I mean, it's like Law and Order, I suppose, where you have the same main cast, but every week you have a whole different set of characters that come in and tell a story that has no connection to the week before or, or the following week. And I I haven't yet seen that on podcast. And so I'm I'm thinking about developing some of those shows. That's an interesting idea because, yes, you have the same central characters like on Law & Order, but each week the story revolves around a new crime 
And you don't really know very much personal about the individuals that are recurring characters. Right, exactly. So we're actually, we're, we're developing one right now, which is about a, a wedding destination. So it's a, a sort of a resort, farm-like resort, where every weekend, a whole new group of people show up to get married. And, and so every week, there's a different drama going on with whoever is the guest that time. But the, it's a husband and wife who manage, who manage this resort. So that's something that we have in development now. Okay, that's different and sounds like it'll be entertaining and, as you just said, not something that everybody else is doing. Right, exactly. Well, what has surprised you the most? I think how much fun I'm having and how creative it is and how much I love the business side of it as well because I'm, I'm you know, we're a startup, so we're still scrappy. And because we're a startup, I'm kind of doing everything from running the network to storylining with my writers, to editing, to just all of it, to producing. And I just feel alive again in a way that I hadn't for so long when I was writing books and just doing what I knew. And and it also reminded me of how much I have always loved the business side of things, which is quite hard to do. When I first started, I started in the UK. So initially, my agents were in the UK. And there's much more transparency with agents in the UK. So so I very much felt that I did have a partner in my agent. But when I switched to a US agent, I always felt that I was infantilized and I was kept out of the business. And they would make the decisions and come and tell me what they decided. And if there was bad news, they wouldn't tell me. And And I've missed the business side of it. I've missed really being involved from the ground up. So that's what surprised me the most, I think. And you're using a different side of your creativity for a lot of this as well, I'm assuming. And and the truth is, anytime you can do that, it fuels other creativity. You know, the the more creative you can be, certainly for me, what I found for me, the more creative I can be in any area, whether it's painting or whatever it is, it will always fuel creativity in other areas. I think that's exactly right. Are you still trying to write books in the midst of all the rest of this? Um, possibly. <laughs> You're like, I don't know yet. <laughs> I, I think that's the right answer. Yeah. Well, you probably don't have a ton of time right now. Well, the other thing that, I, that I'm doing um, is I'm the new advice columnist. I'm the new Dear Jane uh, for the DailyMail.com. So I'm, you know, it's like the the dear Abby, but it's the dailymail.com is the most visited website in the world. And so I now have a weekly column. So that's also taking up a huge amount of time. So look, it's fun. Everything, everything I'm doing, I'm loving right now. But time is something that that's always a little bit of an issue. I totally get that. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to hear what you recommend. And you may not want to recommend books. You may want to recommend serial podcasts. I don't know what you want to recommend, but whatever you do, I'd love to hear it. Oh, well, podcasts. What am I loving right now? I'm going to my podcast app because otherwise I'm not going to remember. There's a wonderful podcast that Joe Piazza did called, I think it's it's about mommy influences that I really enjoyed. She also has a new one out called She Wants More, which is about women and infidelity, women and affairs, which I'm really enjoying listening to. Or what else am I loving? I am loving a podcast called A Certain Age with Katie Fogarty, which is all about sort of women at my stage of life, which is sort of menopausal women and everything we're going through. I'm really enjoying Pop Fiction Women 
which is wonderful. These two presenters, Corinne and Kate, they sort of dissect women in popular culture and women's role. And it's just, they, they're really smart and they do a deep dive into women. And then books, I'm not read. I, I've sort of gone slightly old fashioned and I'm, I'm, I'm reading books that are not new, but I never got around to before. One of them is Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close by Jonathan Safran Fur, which I'm really enjoying. And also Bright Shiny Morning by James Fry, which I'm loving. So those are my recommendations. All sorts of great recommendations. And now I've got some podcasts I need to check out. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining me today on the Thoughts from a Page podcast and talking all about Emerald Audio. I feel like I learned a ton. Oh, Cindy, the pleasure has been all mine. Thank you for having me. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From A Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I hope you'll tune in next time. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.